Hello, welcome back to Evil Thespian. I'm here with Sophie Dushko. Sophie, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, so first things first, you're in New York, correct? Mm -hmm. I am in New York. Cool. And how long have you been there? Um, I've been back since like mid-August. I was mm -hmm. kind of had a slow re-entry. Um, I lived here for a year before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then in the pandemic kind of ran away to the middle of nowhere and then ran away to Montreal <laughs> and then ran back yeah. here. Um, yeah. So it's been like almost a year, I guess now. Wow. So you do a lot of traveling. I don't really stay put. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, yeah. I bop around a bit. Yeah. Would you describe yourself as like someone who's like itchy? Like I need to like go. I need to constantly go, go, go. I mean, I think in my daily life now, definitely. I'm mm -hmm. feeling that more and more. Um, yeah. But I think I just have been looking for like, as an artist, that creative home and mm -hmm. that place, that community that feels like a family for myself and for mm -hmm. my work um and it's it's a journey finding that I mean I'm an only yeah. child like I have a small inner circle and kind of finding the place that feels home is the real yeah. journey it it truly is like all about the people that yeah. like you surround yourself with because I feel like that sense of like create create like good creative energy and like endurance is like really fueled by like the people around you and Absolutely. I it like my whole I'll you can be in a totally different like community and like you feel like a genius because <laughs> you're like constantly around like positive creative like community and energy so or just like who speaks your language exactly like, yeah yeah really, I've lived like I was in Montreal at the National Theater School last mm -hmm. year and like I loved so many of the people I was there with and I there were many things about it that were great but the instant like it just wasn't it wasn't my language like yeah. not literally French like I didn't mm -hmm. have to write in French but like yeah and then I met some people the people I'm working with um on Galatea and some mm -hmm. of my other projects and it felt like coming home it felt like oh yeah. like this is supportive and I mm -hmm. feel like a genius and I also feel like yeah I'm, and I feel yeah. like excited and like the the stupidest person in the room and the smartest person in the room at the same yeah. time which is my favorite thing to be yeah and it's nice when it's like just easy you know like I it's always like tough when like you have to work with people and then I'm like let's let's do the job you know um yeah where, where did you go to you went to a theater school so I, yeah, I have a BFA in musical theater. That's right. <laughs> um, from the Boston Conservatory. Um, Ooh. <laughs> kind of hilarious. Yeah. Wait, uh, why is it hilarious? <laughs> um, because I haven't done, well, I did a musical this summer. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also an actor. And mm -hmm. uh, that was the first time I'd done like a full musical since I was 16. Like okay. I went to an arts high school for it. And I did so many growing up as a teenager, but when I went to Boko, um, <laughs> as, as I love that, <laughs> disgusting, um, but it, I felt like more pulled towards plays than more mm -hmm. and classical theater and then devising and experimental theater and then into writing and it feels so anachronistic to yeah. me or myself in many ways that mm -hmm. I have this BFA, um, but I think in terms of my work, it makes sense in that like, I'm not afraid 
for characters to do wildly theatrical things. Mm -hmm. I don't feel boxed into like plays as naturalistic scene study that mm -hmm. maybe someone who came from a different style of acting and performance might mm -hmm. feel. Yeah, it makes you more like malleable, you know? Um, yeah. And I think studying musical theater when I was in college, like really helped me just get more comfortable with my body and get comfortable with just jumping into something musical if that were to <laughs> if the opportunity were to arise yeah know? well even like I always say I know a lot of musical theater actors are really afraid of Shakespeare because it seems <laughs> Like that's the big, like that's the hard acting thing that people do. Like yeah. that's like what real actors do, Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Very highbrow. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. like, no, I can't do that. That's like yeah. Lawrence and like, you know, Ian McKellen. But yeah. it's actually like, I find musical theater actors are some of the best Shakespeare performers because it's rhythm and it's body. It's so yeah. much more that like revved up, feel it in your body thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I find that really exciting. I find the connections there really. Oh yeah, it's very musical. I I think, you know, like I'm sure uh, most Shakespeare like plays usually like incorporate some kind of like musicality or live music. Um, when I was in college, we did Twelfth Night and we had like a lot of music and dancing in it. I um, also did Twelfth Night in college. Oh my gosh, well, I wasn't in it. I actually, okay. <laughs> I was a house manager. Um, okay. Love it, you need it. Um, yeah, um, but we had, um, when we did Twelfth Night, it was, I don't know if your school did this, but doing like shows or Shakespeare predominantly, but the, it's like, we said it in the twenties, like, <laughs> So our 12th night was set in like the roaring 20s and everybody had like flapper, like yeah. uh, thoroughly, like thoroughly modern Billy or whatever. Um, it was very cute. Yeah. Um, but what, um, so you mentioned you did a musical this summer. What musical was it? Um, so <laughs> I did, I co-directed and first, my first time directing somewhat professionally um, and co-starred in the last five years um ever heard of it ever oh uh, yeah I saw those photos on your website I was like ooh, yeah it's such, a, um, it's such a good one <laughs> so juicy and fun um I my co-director and co-star was my partner at the time and mm. we've been together for wow. five and a half years Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> we met at the Boston Conservatory, mm -hmm. um, got together our senior year and kind of grew up as artists together and mm -hmm. grew apart as artists and as people together. But mm -hmm. kind of Kate, I think we kind of both knew we were near the end of the relationship mm -hmm. and he was working for a theater in Florida mm -hmm. and it was a tiny little black box theater. And they were like, we can't do a musical here. I was living in Montreal at this point, but mm -hmm. like, we can't do a musical here. It's too small. And he was like, yeah, you can. Like You can do the I last five years. Perfect musical. Yeah. It's two people. And oh, I have yeah. the person to do it with. Yeah. Um, and so we did like a really kind of experimental production, um, inviting the audience in using kind of concert stylings. We fed the audience wedding cake in the middle of the, like after the next 10 minutes. Um, wow. Was, That's like, a good yeah. idea. <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we streamed it as well because I don't know anyone in Florida. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, we gotta like, I gotta bring some people in. Um, yeah. And so we did like a 
single camera, like single shot, um, pro shot yeah capture as well um yeah Yeah. what was it like directing yourself slash another person who's also your partner and director (laughs) um it was a it was a wild experience Mm -hmm. um it was a lot of there were days that we were there at the theater for like 14 hours um or more not only were we was I like wearing those hats, but we were also kind of co-producing it with the theater, um, doing set and costume and projection design, um, working with other designers, working with the mm-hmm. streaming director. And I think it really like taught me a lot about like my working style versus um, my partner at the time had a very different working style um, mm-hmm. and where, how to share strengths. Like I think yeah. I'm like, person who has like a really clear picture of something it's also how I write plays like I think really visually and I'll go with like this high concept crazy thing mm-hmm. and kind of run bare, like straight ahead and need to make it work and spend however long I need to do mm-hmm. making it work yeah. and it generally did work <laughs> uh, but I will like really push and he was more receptive and was really good at working with our band and really good mm-hmm. at working with the theater and doing a lot of the people part of directing um, while I was doing more of the concept part. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, which was, yeah. It ended up, and of course we shared all those roles, mm-hmm. but, but something that was really exciting, I remember the day we did like our cue to cue with our lighting designer and things weren't looking the way I wanted them to. And I would turn to Anthony, my partner at the time who I was working with and be like, cause he knew the lighting designer. I was like, can you just tell Mario, like, I don't like this color or like, I don't, it needs to be something else like do you see that can you communicate it and he was like I don't really know what you mean and so I had to figure out how to communicate it and by like halfway through by the time we got to maybe even summer in Ohio like a third yeah, of yeah. I was like no can you cut that light turn this green turn down yeah. this, like warm that up cool that down cut that one over the stairs yeah boom 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 watching myself learn that confidence um yeah was something I was really proud of the my lighting class that was like the uh, class that almost like prohibited me from graduating because so hard it is really hard my program we had to like go like the full nine yard like learn wattage we had to do math we had to hang like a fernell all by ourselves every single person hang the hang it for now hang a top hat like all the different kinds see, I can't do any of that I just know to say like less green like, oh my, and like you know what's so funny like I'm just sitting there I'm just like ooh, the gels like mm-hmm. love the gels but you know mine I'm surprised no one got like seriously injured uh or if anyone has been seriously injured at my program because we they just threw us up like 50 feet in the air on that ladder and said go go for it and then when you now it's like okay you hung up for now like now you can go to SETC and like get a summer stock job saying yeah all you gotta do is learn a couple power tools and (laughs) no but it is so true like learning the like language like it's so I would never be able to articulate like a certain kind of like lighting concept yeah because it's almost like another like translation another uh like filter of of a translation um because there's certain like because lighting is like everything uh, mm-hmm. 
especially yeah. as a podcaster where I have to do a lot of Zoom meetings. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I gotta, I gotta get I that. Know. Yeah. I know. I don't know if you have one, but I have a happy lamp. It's like a happy, Oh. it's, it's a really, really big one. Um, and since I'm in Chicago, so it's very, oh, it's very cold and dark and it's actually very um, dark and rainy today. Um, but I use my like happy UV lamp sometimes to light myself <laughs> during Zoom sense. meetings. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it comes in handy, but, um, but anyways, last five years, um, when, since you did a lot of like the conceptual work, did you ever have like those days when it's 14 hours and maybe there's some friction, um, in during like a tech or, you know, lighting or like loading in new, new elements, what, how, what's your kind of communication style when it comes to like conflict? (laughs) Mm, This is very interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that it's a good test case or maybe a bad test case because it was with someone who I had been in situations of conflict that were not perfect. Like, you know, we had fights before. Um, And so I think it was the professional and personal like conflict Mm -hmm. styles were, are different. Um, (laughs) I think I'm trying to remember I know there was there were days when I would get frustrated that my work style again is like I will work too hard I will not stop I will oh my gosh you're singing my song (laughs) Like, like, like I don't care like I know there's there's all this wonderful new talk Mm -hmm. about like eliminating 10 out of 12s and like shortening like working French hours on film sets like all those things I'm like so pro that for people but I also it's amazing I'm the person I'm like no I'll be there for 16 hours I don't care like I'm happy right now working on Galatea as a playwright I'm like I want to be in the room all the time my director's (laughs) like no no, just go you gotta go away sometimes you gotta you gotta like take a pause as the playwright you can't be there all the time Mm -hmm. um and so on those days when there would be like this isn't working I would try and push through I would try and be like no we need to make this happen today we come on let's go yeah it's possible and for me Mm -hmm. that's something I need to work on like that's something Mm -hmm. that if I am to pursue directing Mm -hmm. more my expectations of myself are Mm -hmm. higher than they need to be for everyone Mm -hmm. else in terms of like push and work and giving myself grace and in that situation giving my partner who was my creative partner and still my romantic partner grace was something that I like had to remind myself Mm -hmm. uh, that it's important to rest and it's important to like walk away from the thing sometimes when it's not working because you can't see it clearly anymore yeah I had to learn that with writing too like when I'm in conflict with my own plays I'm Mm -hmm. like okay I have a hundred pages of something and it's not forming into a play, like, I can't really keep pounding at it. I can't really keep trying to write it into, into something when Mm -hmm. I can't see what that something is. And it was the same thing in that process. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't make this musical number work right now. I can't push it into working. I can't push him into working in a different way when neither of us can see clearly what that way we really want is. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that like I always have to work on and I I think it's easier as a playwright because I just have myself to deal with Mm -hmm. on that I don't 
like when I'm actually working on the script, I'm not, I don't have to feel bad about pushing someone else too hard. But if I am to pursue directing more, like, ooh, yeah, yeah. gotta, gotta calm down. It's gotta... a, it's a, yeah, directing, I feel it's also a certain kind of language we like in my program we were always taught that it's kind of about like how you were saying trying to forge something but you don't really know what's there yet so I was always taught that directing comes down sometimes to a matter of uh, use of language I mean especially when you're like you're in a leadership position Um, a lot of things I learned in my like directing class I use to this day just phrases that we were taught to say all the time to actors and other people like let's try this let's try this let's try this it just like makes a complete like difference it like I could never imagine myself saying anything else between like my coworkers because I'm like yeah no let's try this we don't know what it is yet um or we would say like we were always taught to be like how does that feel for you little things like that that go a long way um but you were talking about playwriting. So Galatea, yeah. I'm 75 pages in. <laughs> um, you, still got, you still got another like final flip of the whirlwind for you there. I know, <laughs> but um, play playwriting as a playwright, um, how has that been? You said you want to be there all the time. <laughs> yeah. but that's, just, like, that's just me like wanting to be in a rehearsal room. Like yeah. I- I've always, since I was a little kid, been in a rehearsal room, whether it was, I was a ballerina for a while, um, and then I went into musical theater, and then I went into classical theater, and mm-hmm. now, like, I've always been the performer in the per- in the rehearsal room, and so being that, like, out, like, outside eye now, mm-hmm. the, like, big outside eye, the god eye in some ways, yeah. like, which, like, is it, it's very it's a very hard thing because I, I want to, I was in a production in college that was a huge ensemble cast. Um, and I played the kind of role that would come in and do a big monologue every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So I didn't need to be at all the rehearsals, but because the cast was so big, they had trouble scheduling it. Um, and so it'd be like, so if I think your call is going to be like, we're probably going to start using your run two, but it might be three, it might be four. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? And I'd be like, I'm just going to get here at noon with everyone else. And I would sit on the side of every rehearsal knitting because that's like what I do to like wa- when I'm walking good, my yeah. attention, oh, but yeah. like my hands occupied. And because I was in every rehearsal knitting, the director put me on stage doing that, like in throughout the, was the kind of production where the ensemble's on stage the whole time. And I'm like, that's the ethos of me as a collaborator, like I want to just be there and be supportive and have my eyes up. I don't want to be in my phone. I don't Mm -hmm. want to be in my script. I want to be just like keeping myself as active Mm -hmm. as possible while I can be as present as possible in the Mm -hmm. room. And so as a playwright, when it's like, oh, your job is actually not necessarily to be in the room all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm not really helpful in the room all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm not the kind of playwright that has answers to questions. I'm Mm -hmm. not the kind of playwright that's like, going to tell you you're paraphrasing something or care care that much if you do like I'm not I'm not rewriting also like Mm -hmm. this book is locked it's been locked for a long Mm -hmm. or locked ish relatively locked for a long time and so the lesson again similar to like last five years it's like when to step back like Mm -hmm. when to even if it's not me putting my voice in the room when to like 
take my take myself out and not it's not about being there my mm -hmm. not being there is is what's important for the production right now I was there for years when I was writing it you yeah know? of my course yeah <laughs> was the only presence for so yeah. long now it needs a little less me yeah it needs to kind of like fly leave yeah. leave the nest a little bit yeah that and you're you're like getting comfortable with kind of like that releasing relinquishing process Oh, I'm totally com like in yeah. terms of control. It's exciting. Um, I'm so I'm thrilled by it. Yeah. I I mean, it's again, it's going back to that creative home and yeah. uh, finding that that family. And I'm so so lucky the people that I have on this. Um, mm -hmm. The my director Cece Kellogg, um, the company in Vulnerable Nothings. I submitted the play to her residency a little over a year ago. Um, kind of blind, like I mm -hmm. come up on my Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is the Cedar Company? Let me see. Um, and I saw they had submissions open for a residency. And I was leaving a playwriting program in Montreal and looking for somewhere to go. And I submitted the play thinking like, this play is crazy. Like it mm -hmm. is the most impossible play I'd ever written. The mm -hmm. weirdest play I'd ever written. Um, in case you don't know, the play involves like <laughs> sex dolls and... Yes like 20th century theater convention and George Bernard Shaw and like sex work and intimacy and non-intimacy and walls mm -hmm. falling down and it felt like okay if someone sees this and takes this they're gonna take me for whatever I am yeah and I it landed with just the perfect people and so in terms of relinquishing control like take it away from me I don't mm -hmm. I yeah I've been shown she shows me and my actors show me my actors gross. Disgusting. Show me like what I've written. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In ways that I they make me feel so much smarter than I am. Mm -hmm. And like show me my play in ways that I could not have even imagined. Mm -hmm. Um something exciting. We, there's a sex worker character and a sex doll character in the play. And we've cast two actors to learn both roles. And every mm -hmm. night, um, the first thing that happens is there's a coin flip to decide who plays who, performed in front of the audience. Wow. It's a real coin flip. It is not rigged in any way. The only time that there is no flip is on a two-show day. So they only mm -hmm. flip on the matinee. And then they do the reverse in the evening. Um, oh, so but, they come to the, the show and then you just like flip a coin? Yeah. And like, yeah. wow. In front of the audience, like they're both prepared up until places to do either wow. that performance. Um, and that's not something I wrote. Like, yeah. I didn't put that. I'm sure mm -hmm. there, there's doubling another in the play. Like there's mm -hmm. one, there's one male actor in three male roles in the play. That's mm -hmm. intentional. I wrote that. I set that. I don't want it any other way. Playwright rule done. Mm -hmm. This doubling, like never occurred to me. Yeah. Never, never that's a good idea. It keeps so, it like, like spontaneous too, you yeah, know. Yeah, and it yeah. it it highlights all these things in the play that I know are there, and it it makes it makes it easier on the actors because the role one role involves a lot of stillness that is mm -hmm. really taxing on the body. So to do that, every performance is so much like it's a, a yeah, it's a really exciting thing for actors, and not something I could have ever come up with myself. Mm -hmm. And so when you have the right people giving up control like it's not it's I'm receiving a gift that they mm -hmm. want to do my play like it's not yeah. taking anything from me I'm not relinquishing anything I'm being given 
I feel like the luckiest, the luckiest playwright in the world, um, truly. Like, yeah. And so I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, that's the exciting thing about theater too. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe that's the big lesson I have to learn. Like I've always been a perfectionist. I've always been, when I was just a performer, especially, I was like really hard on myself, really Mm -hmm. big perfectionist, um, probably because I came from ballet. Mm -hmm. And in writing and in like putting my voice to something, using my brain in a new way, taking my body kind of out of the equation or my perform like my visuals out of the equation and making something from me mm-hmm. and then giving it away. Like that's taught me as a person so much. That's like mm-hmm. my greatest lesson is to relinquish control, relinquish control. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful thing that it feels like, like it's coming back to me now. Yeah. It always comes back. It always, it always comes back when we're do, like when we're on our path, like when we're <laughs> yes, on our path. Yes, yeah. Yeah. What are, so I'm reading this play, Galatea. I really like this doll that's in this play because I keep mm-hmm. imagining it in my head and because I don't really know, but there are some pictures in the script. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like, you know, dolls are, there's this like conversation about like physical and what is real and what is not, what is like artificial. Um, and there's this concept that everyone has around dolls that are very creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed like this, I really enjoy that theme of like the conversation of like artificial, uh, I guess, sex dolls or like just dolls or people being artificial. Um, that's always something that's on my mind. Um, what's kind of like the primary theme you want an audience to kind of walk away thinking about? Or yeah. does, is it up to the audience? <laughs> Everything is up to the audience. Of I, course. <laughs> um, I don't think plays are like arguments or yes. which is not something you said, but um, <laughs> I, I, I have heard people say that, which some plays yeah. are, but for me, no. Um, I think the impetus about around the play Mm -hmm. was um, I always knew before I even started writing plays that I wanted to write about the artist muse relationship and and about like objectification um, Mm -hmm. and self-objectification. So the idea of like Love yes, it. Look at someone like, yeah, we look at someone like we love it. and we're like, she's objectified, right? Yeah. Like she's mm-hmm. a sex object. She's been a like an icon, which makes her an object, which mm-hmm. is a like a sex symbol becomes a thing, is something mm-hmm. that she's like, I hate being a thing, something she said. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like to have, I think there must have been times that that objectification of herself was intentional and was mm-hmm. something that she could perform and live in or there's many women throughout history I felt it myself like as an Mm -hmm. actress the reason I wanted to write about this and as someone who grew up performing is that like I know how to make myself an object I know how to like I know that that's how people see me sometimes Mm -hmm. I know how to be the vessel for someone else's creation and for a long time shapeshifter I mean, our actors are obviously artists. I'm an actor, mm-hmm. I'm an artist, but there is this thing about that artistry that is a kind of about being a vessel to be filled mm-hmm. and then filling your own vessel within it, which was so interesting to me. And so 
I wrote, um, the first thing that I wrote for this play is the monologue that Galatea the sex doll performs, which is um, a sort of fragmented, seems AI generated, but is generated by me, um, <laughs> monologue made up of quotes by famous muse women. So Marilyn Monroe, Sylvia Plath, mm -hmm. Yoko Ono, Britney Spears, mm -hmm. um, the list goes on. And I wrote that for something else and it came back into the play later, but I want to think about like what I'm thinking about what it is to be the object when the object wants to be the subject and how to give an object agency, how to give yourself agency when you've mm -hmm. been objectified by yourself or by others and then like how to figure out what that even is like yeah. I think there's something about the damn now I'm thinking like <laughs> I know it's like it's, it, which is why I'm like oh I have big questions and I have no answers yeah that a character says at a point in the play that I don't think you've gotten to yet um, <laughs> at the very end um is the idea that it is easier to know what is wanted of me than it is to know what I want Oh, absolutely. Right? Because no, nobody knows, no one knows what they really want. <laughs> that's like, the and yeah. as an actor, like, that's the whole thing you're supposed to do. It's supposed to be exactly. like, what do, want? what do you want? What are you trying? What are yeah. you trying What's for? your motivation? What you but like, yeah. if we've been made as women or as actors or as people on the internet who are constantly like putting our image forward before our voice or putting our image forward before our emotions um if we've been made into image for so long into mm -hmm. objects of the vessel that makes it even harder to find that that want if we're all exterior or if we're leading with the exterior the interior becomes quieter yeah and like the interior kind of like blurs mm -hmm. and yeah and it does yeah it becomes quieter and I feel like especially like working in the like working world um and then at, especially as an actress and um I when I was in my early 20s I modeled just like freelance for a little bit and I worked for free a lot and it is fine <laughs> but um there's a lot of time spent on um curating yself image and um I would see all of these like other girls on Instagram and this was a really like hot time for like to be like a model via Instagram um I didn't enjoy like I'm, I'm not the kind of person that like loves curating like full body pictures on Instagram and every single Instagram picture is a different thing like I will like yeah I like to take pictures of me in my life but it just wasn't something that was for me because it was just like very time consuming with my own self image and it's just like distract sometimes it's distracting to me you oh. know um or like you said like you're a perfectionist I'm like I think like similarly I'm a kind of a workaholic mm. and I just like the working element of perfectionism like I just like to keep striving for like the next have to move the needle closer and closer um but I feel like that I've also like had that feeling of the inside getting like quieter and quieter and more like blurred um 
because it's like cons consistent external like go 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 um and then you're kind of, yeah then you do feel like an ai doll like doll yeah. a little bit um and then yeah it does it does feel like um i i guess like yeah a community thing when you're like so immersed in like a very like surface level um like any kind of like endeavor it is it's tough yeah it's yeah like, it's it's very weird self like yeah mm -hmm. but we're like we're doing that so much as artists but also just as people these days because now everyone has some sort of like self-image projection out personal there personal brand yeah like <laughs> yeah and I, I'll, I'll hear that. I'm like, gross, mm -hmm. like personal brand, gross. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I, I like it. it. Yeah. <laughs> you. I get it. I'm a writer and an actor. Like I got yeah. it. But since we all, we all have it, even if we're not thinking about branding ourselves, we're still performing mm -hmm. the idea of who we are and wanting for most of us, I think for myself anyway, like mm -hmm. wanting people to like it. Mm -hmm. Like I, what and for me anyway something that I think about a lot and deal with is like oh I want people to like the way I look like yeah there's nothing I wrong want with people that. to think yeah. I, I am I am pretty and mm -hmm. sexually viable and attractive mm -hmm. and smart. I want to feel yeah. valuable yeah. yeah yeah like and growing up I'm as you can definitely relate to from modeling and doing theater like that's been a huge part of what has become your identity, which is part of your brand, or at least for me, like my image attached to my identity, attached to my brand is this weird circle. Mm -hmm. My brand, like, I can't even like say that. It's out so loud weird. Yeah. Like, oh, I am not, I, you no. can't buy me, but like, maybe you can. I, yeah. I is going to my play buying me is, uh, yeah. is, is performing, is liking my Instagram, like, mm -hmm doing that is yeah I don't know it's it's a really yeah. sense of self that we yeah. are the I anyway um I'm dealing with every day and mm -hmm. like I just took a mirror pic in the bathroom of my new job as I left earlier today mm -hmm. like because I like the way I look and I'm probably gonna post it to Instagram mm -hmm. even though I posted a pic of myself in a mirror at a bar last night like yeah but what is that? Like, what what is my impulse to do that? And is the person in the mirror that I'm presenting to people, is that is that me? And is that does that per is does that person is that what I want? That mm -hmm. or is that what I think people will like? And yeah. I want people to like me. Like, it's these are all questions that are in yeah. the play. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever feel like? Because I feel this way from coming from like a drama background. I always feel like I can't really. I guess I can't really like uh, analyze myself and my own motivations and my own like subconscious like. Or I can't admit. I guess my own motivations. I what's I have what's great about having a husband is that like you have somebody always to put you in your place and tell you like no, you're doing this because you are, you know, sad or like you want to feel some kind of value or you want to um, feel some kind of freedom. And I'm like, damn, that is so right. So I feel like it's always like somebody like, 
it's like these are things you can't really like or for sometimes I'm like we're afraid to tell ourselves these kind of things because I think maybe secretly we actually do know but to get through the day we have to tell ourselves little stories about ourselves to literally just get through <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely yeah. and I think like something we're talking about in the rehearsal process a lot because the protagonist Eliza is a sex worker and a lot of the first half of the play are, are these scenes with her and a client and what if it when it like fighting moments of of genuine connection and then mm -hmm. finding finding survival and finding what things she might not she accepts to survive or ways she performs to survive and get through this and what her motivations how much she's aware of her motivations for staying in that room how much she's aware of his motivations with her like putting some theater gives us you know as actors that like tool of searching out motivations for people and, mm -hmm. and being able to name them which is part of like what makes theater I think a really great community collective tool is that you're mm -hmm. seeing people's motivations you're seeing people survive you're seeing people fight for things and mm -hmm. fight to connect and form relationships in ways that fighting for their lives <laughs> fighting for their lives yeah. even if it's just like oh what's a even if it's the seagull I mean I guess that yeah. might people literally um living and dying mm -hmm. but like, <laughs> like a, a very simple play what is a simple play Twelfth Night I yeah. mean not a simple play but no one is it's not a tragedy it's a comedy mm -hmm. um but those people are fighting for their love, which is their lives. Mm -hmm. Like, and they have to wear costumes and to wear costumes, yeah. like it's, yeah, mistaken it's identity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's a Shakespeare girly. We love. Yeah, like <laughs> um, yeah. that's yeah. so true. So, how long has um, <clears throat> Galatea been in rehearsals? We are half, almost halfway through our second week. Mm -hmm. Um. So we are doing like a Monday to Friday schedule right now. Um, on this coming Monday, we're going away. The whole cast, the director and I are going to Maine for a week um, to do like a retreat week of rehearsal. Which I is love that. What I don't know what like a log cabin, basically. Um, yeah, Cece of Invulnerable Nothings, the director, she has yeah. um, a theater space out there and studio space and mm. so at that point before we come back and do tech like we're gonna do a week of really intensive work um and then we come back and do tech last week of june first week of july and start previews july 6th with opening yeah. on the 8th wow and then what where what location is it going to be at so it's at brooklyn arts house mm -hmm. um they're co-presenting this with us um so we are one of their inaugural productions or one of their like I think we are like the second full production that's in there. Maybe the first, I'm not entirely sure. Mm -hmm. um, but we, it's this new space in Williamsburg, um, right off the L. Mm -hmm. um, super convenient for everyone to come yeah, to. Of course, yeah. It just opened like two weeks ago. Not even, like the day we started rehearsals was the first performance they had there. And it is... I, again, luckiest playwright in the world. It is mm -hmm. so beautiful. Um, they have two rehearsal studios in there. It's a beautiful white box, white box, black box. You could do either theater. Um, really long space with all, like, 
lighting, talk lighting mm-hmm. grid, like amazing grid. Um, they have a bar, they have a restaurant. Like it is, it is lux. Oh, perfect. And exciting. Yeah. It is like Brooklyn theater is getting mm-hmm. like a really exciting new venue. And I'm so thrilled to be part of their inaugural wow. season. Ooh, that's going to be so exciting. Yeah. I, um, I've never heard of anybody going like on a cast retreat. That's so tender. <laughs> so cute. I think it's, it's so really great. Cute. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about, uh, oh yeah, when you're like, when you eventually get to opening night are, mm-hmm. I, I always think about this, do playwrights get nervous? You know, <laughs> I, well, I don't, I don't know because <laughs> this is my first production. Yeah. Um, that's going to have like a real, it's my first production. I did yeah. a reading of one of my other plays. My first like really public reading um, in New York anyway, was a couple weeks ago at Brooklyn Center for Theater Research. I know mm-hmm. you've had many of their their pals on the show. Um, yes, we love we, Brooklyn Center for Theater them. Research. A C R. Um, Izzy from theirs in Galatea yeah. as well. Um, but we did a reading of my play. How would you like me to atone? Um, mm-hmm. there, and I. It was just a stage reading. It was mm-hmm. like marketing in process. It was pretty mm-hmm. low stakes. We had like one rehearsal. I did, I was at the door and I was so nervous. I was just sitting up there with like a little teacup of rosé and like a cigarette, yeah. like sitting on the stoop of that in like yeah. real green point, just being like, are you here for the thing? Just come inside, just go. Yeah, just yeah. Don't show me, just go, just yeah. go. You're right, you know, you're like shaking, like, wow. and it was great. And it was an yeah. amazing, it was an amazing night and everyone was super supportive. Um, But that was... I think that play is also in a way more vulnerable place and mm-hmm. it's still in process and there wasn't a director on that. There wasn't a set. There wasn't mm-hmm. all the things that make it feel shiny and separate from me. It was still mm-hmm. very much like, this is my thing that is about me and not about me personally in my life, but like this event, sorry, my cat is meowing. No, be. it's okay. My dog, I don't know what my dog is doing. You <laughs> might have a little, yeah, a little bit here yeah oh, he's, he's eating something. I don't know. okay anyways <clears throat> um I, uh, like yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I was surprised at how nervous I was then wow. this thing, I will still be nervous mm-hmm. um you know when people I love are coming to see it or people I respect um okay why are we meowing <laughs> um, but because it is such a collaboration with so many amazing designers and mm-hmm. producers and directors and actors who have been working on this separate from me. I'm hoping that lessens the nerves a bit. I'm hoping <laughs> that like yeah. makes that that gift of releasing control mm-hmm. will even will help it even more. But what was the impetus for how would you like me to atone? Because I read that and that for me this was a thinker because it's these like two, like predominantly these uh, two characters, um, I just noticed a pattern in terms of their dialogue. They're asking permission constantly. Mm -hmm. They're always asking each other permission or there's this like very, a lot of tension and it's very thick that there's this push and pull, um, which is like really nice. And to me, 
I kind of was thinking a lot about, yeah, what can we, and what can we, what should we ask permission for what we don't have to? Am I onto something? <laughs> yeah, no, I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I, I, the play is so, it is like, it is what it is in many ways. It's in a shape, but mm-hmm. um, and the things that it's wrestling with, it will continue to wrestle with, but I'm, I'm still, I'm still shining lights on different parts and trimming and putting other things in yeah. Um, But the impetus for it, so I was at the National Theatre School of Canada um, for playwriting, I'm Canadian, um, <laughs> <laughs> for in 2021 to 2022, I did their first year and then I dropped out um, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. But in your first year there, you know, going in, it's a two person program um, and you write two plays that first year. One of them's an adaptation that you can kind of do whatever you want with. Um, mm-hmm. So I had like 26 characters and water on stage and synchronized swimming and a chorus love water on stage love water on stage it's my favorite thing ever yeah um so wild and crazy play and then the other project you had to do was they call it a unity play I take issue with that term because they're citing Aristotle's unities and Mm -hmm. I think it's a misinterpretation of them but that's beside the point the That's another is, podcast. That's another podcast for another <laughs> day. We'll talk about Aristotle. It'll be like <laughs> fun and chill. Yeah. Um, but the pitch is a two-person play, so a two-hander in one setting in like real continuous time. So mm-hmm. they can't really leave the room and it has to be kind of a naturalistic situation. Mm-hmm. You read Galatea um, and you read what this play is. Mm-hmm. That's not really what I do Mm -hmm. um she's that she's a musical theater girly she's a Shakespeare girly she loves song and and theatricality and water Mm -hmm. on stage and choruses and like dream ballets Mm -hmm. um my first play is a very long dream ballet Mm -hmm. um but so I was like okay I know I have to write this play um and I know it has to fit these requirements and I know that I don't like to do that um and so if I have to do that then the reason for, if I have, I have to do this, but in my brain, I have all the resources of theater at my disposal Mm -hmm. in life. And if this project can't use them, there has to be a really strong reason why. So Mm -hmm. if I, Sophie, am writing a play and I could have the walls collapse or have water on stage or have a thousand different locations or have people in the audience um, and I can't, then that room has to be the most important thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And if I could have a cast of a thousand, probably not actually have a cast <laughs> of a thousand in theater, but like a cast of 20, sure, yeah. maybe. Then, but I have to have two, then those two people, those two bodies have to be the, be the only people that could be in this room together. Mm-hmm. And they can, there has to be something between them that only they can, can have together. And if, I could jump through time and most of my plays use time in a really abstract way mm-hmm. and I have to use real continuous time initially this play broke it but <laughs> uh, it was initially it was then that time in that room with those two people is the only thing it can be and mm-hmm. so and those and those things are all really really important and the most important thing um and so I had to figure out a situation that was that important and I write plays from an image, a really uh, highly, an image charged with a lot of conflict. Um, so for Galatea, it was a man pulling a woman's body out of a box like a doll and her behaving like a doll and having some 
sexual implication of that mm-hmm. and then seeing her come to life um, inspired by the myth of Pygmalion mm-hmm. uh, Ovid. And with this play, it was actually inspired by some an image that is mentioned in a monologue about a survivor of rape thinking about her encounter with her rapist in not a sexual way, not a positive way, mm-hmm. um, but in like a body-based sensual way. Um, mm-hmm. Not pop, like, let me be very clear, like, like not anatomical, possible, but like embodied, like an embodied yeah. physical mm-hmm. sensation way mm-hmm. that was part trauma and part like connected to in some way pleasure. Um, yeah. And I had the idea of these two people, a survivor and a rapist, um, in a sort of restorative justice experiment mm-hmm. of a motel room that has been completely constructed um, for her to decide if he he's in prison in this concept, mm-hmm. um, remains in prison or if she can forgive him and let him go. Um, which is a metaphor, of course, for like being able to move on past your trauma to mm-hmm. accept it and move on. Um, and so it became a lot about what different dialogues do we do? Mm-hmm. Like, can we use to to do that? And using permission that like is often, um, I wanted to kind of trick the audience too to think it was not that situation to kind of yeah. like, like a sex work or a yeah, yeah, yeah and so using the language of kink um which is a perform it is a performance like it is role play it is Mm -hmm. it is theater in some ways um sometimes with an audience um but using that permission thing that you picked up on and using um to evoke consent and to evoke learning and relearning um and building something building a new sense of self building a new um relationship to your body um Mm -hmm. through through the through this other person and through these body-based um tools and rituals and it's a really challenging play yeah that's Um, so interesting yeah do you feel like we learn more about like our physical our like how we embody our own selves through other people we're like intimate with. Mm. I don't know. I've had, yeah. I've been married. I mean, I'm married, and I've been with uh, Paul for ten years. So <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, we met in theater school. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, but sometimes um I'm thinking now I'm thinking actually like my acting this school like we as you know just like those uh movement uh voice movement classes where we're like really really in our bodies for like three hours at a time and I don't know I'm thinking about this like sometimes I feel like really connected and learning new things about my body when I'm very isolated and alone and like almost like a warming up kind of ritual if you like close your eyes like relax and like all those things that like we we do in theater school um like feel your toes feel your fingers and like be isolated alone and then sometimes when I'm with other people just as an observer I'm like noticing 
things about myself based on how somebody else else's energy affects me you know like my posture will change or I don't know like sometimes I'll learn about like my own (laughs) sensibilities through other people I don't know yeah I mean I think I think we're at an age or in a society at an age that um finds embodiment like really difficult um yes I think it's it's not really a like true embodiment is not really a part of our culture mm-hmm. and I think we're also at a really lonely age society I oh, think it's like the loneliest time it, it's not like a hot take I think people are saying that like yes. it is the loneliest time it is <laughs> even though yeah. we are the most connected like whatever mm-hmm. I sound like some ad that's going to be selling you um an iPhone app but <laughs> I think I, I talk about theater being um erotic not in the sense of like it's going to turn you on and it's mm-hmm. like porn but in the sense of, yeah yeah of like and like of the fact that it's the one of the few places that like we are bodies in a room together mm-hmm. audience and actors are sharing the same air and the same breath like I think you mm-hmm. how would you like me to tone there's a lot about breath and sharing breath and connecting to the audience with breath and finding your body and finding feeling your body in the seats and feeling Mm -hmm. um watching the actors get in their bodies watching Mm -hmm. the characters get in their bodies um and I think theater can teach us a lot about connection it's it's uh, an art form of relationship is something a professor of mine in college would say Mm -hmm. like the material of theater is connection it is relationship because Mm -hmm that it is you that's what you're watching whether it's someone on stage connecting with the audience characters mm-hmm. connecting with themselves um and so I think for me that's the potential of theater is that like embodied artistic like artistic expression um to watch that and to be in your body and in the same physical spaces that their bodies to have that experience like you said of observing someone and seeing how it affects your body or feeling how it affects your body like my favorite theatrical experiences change my breath mm-hmm. like I remember the first time I saw Eva Van Hove's view from the bridge mm-hmm. and there's that big blood thing that happens at the yeah. end spoiler, but like it's it's like a seven-year-old production at this yeah. point <laughs> you can watch it online um, <laughs> but my ribs like my breath went up here and like my eyes didn't tear, but where like that feeling, I was like, oh, that's, fu- that's theater for me. Like mm-hmm. that is, that's that, that's that thing. And my face always gets hot. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. See, like, that's a different thing. Like I feel mm-hmm. it in my ribs. You might, you feel it in your mm-hmm. face. Like some people feel like their toes getting numb or some people cry. Like, and to have that, like that is catharsis. Catharsis mm-hmm. is something that happens in the body, not the mind. And my, every like, I don't think playwriting is always about body. I think it's actually for most playwrights, not about embodiment at all. But for me, like, that's my way in. That's my gift. Yeah. My, that's what excites me about theater and the potential for it. That's why my plays, like, I joke, people have joked and I joke that um, a Sophie Dashko play like always has sex and dancing. Like it's sex and dancing, it's sex yes. and dancing. But it's like, because those are our most embodied, those are those like intimacy and embodiment 
we don't, where do we get that? Like, yeah, the, that well, it's, it's funny that you said like sex and dancing because I definitely agree all theater to me is, all drama to me is sex and dancing. I feel like it's synonymous for that saying that everyone say, says like, you're either trying, you're either fighting or you're fucking like, yeah. it's kind of the same thing, like sex and dancing. It's like, kill. Yeah. yeah, it's like that same, yeah. Yeah. Um, the potential there, like yeah. the juice to be squeezed there. Well, the, the choreography or like, I don't know, fight, quote unquote, fight choreography in How Would You Like Me to Atone? I was like thinking about this where there's like this fighting and like push, like pulling and grabbing. Um, how, how? Like, I'm always like, when I, I love it when people are very um, just bold and not even ambitious because like that presumes it's like oh my gosh I can't believe to me it's like just real you know um and you know humans just like to look at themselves and like see themselves reflected um even if it's just for like novel entertainments or like passive entertainments um I was just thinking about like wow like those are that's gonna be a great that's a great rehearsal day <laughs> for oh, for me yeah. <laughs> like wow scary one too like it's yeah and again for me I am, I'm the person who's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. But again, my great lesson is we need to give, we need to give everyone the grace that they need. Mm -hmm. And that it's, it's, I know when I sent it to you, I was like, Hey, like, I don't love a content warning, but I need to let you know that this don't read this. If you're not in the space Yeah, yeah. and for actors too, like that could be a great juicy, juicy day. If you're mm -hmm. in the space to like get down and do fight an intimacy choreo that's mm -hmm. going to bring you to that extreme but that's an extreme yeah and theater can take us to those extremes but like the, the big thing with how would you like me to tone I worked with my friend Connor Bercompass who runs Nervous Theater in Montana in Bozeman Montana and he read the play when I was working on it and he was like you need to take care of your audience like you mm -hmm. need to you can do this it's big and scary and actors will love it and but audiences need to know that they are safe and that these actors mm -hmm. are safe and that we can enter the room and exit the room. And that's where some of the framing device of those monologues came in. And now I'm actually working, speaking of stage directions on voicing some of those stage directions and putting in a mm -hmm. chorus to help guide the audience and the actors oh. who like through grounding practices with these really intense feelings to stay in their bodies as these mm -hmm. intense things are happening on stage to stay in your breath um, mm -hmm. because the stage directions involve box breathing and mm -hmm. that is again like we can only accept we can only feel these big emotions we can only accept them if we're in the space to do it if our hearts are open if our minds are open and if we don't feel activated or traumatized or scared because then our body shuts down and so as much as I think theater is about mm -hmm. extremes and I love to do them as an actor I love to just go and I my favorite thing is to be like running and running and running and crying mm -hmm. and yeah all, all over the place like yeah. I it, it, that's when I feel like I'm a good actor mm -hmm. if I'm not taking care of myself and if the audience isn't being taken care of and it's it's not doing anything it's not, yeah. it's, not it's not helping anyone yeah it's not, it's not it's not art if we can't actually like have a point of view on it and if mm -hmm. we can't have if we can't experience it safely and openly yeah like having a, that healthy dialogue with an audience 
it yeah I think that kind of like guides the storytelling sometimes like in a very like seamless uh easygoing way for people to digest almost um and especially yeah especially with uh, this play it's uh and like the themes uh permission consent it's all about context um and those things yeah are all like like well digested when they're well communicated and that's I think yeah and I I think similarly to how we were talking about uh when you know we're saying people are very lonely people are very isolated in their inner monologues or in their own minds and the more it's so funny my therapist the other day this is so obvious but she was like you know Maddie, socialization is the opposite of isolation. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you're right. Um, No, but um, it's so, it's so true when um, we have like that healthy socialization with the audience, because sometimes I've been to plays and I feel very, um, I don't know, I feel very isolated as an audience member or I don't feel like a play communicated well, whether I liked it or not, or whether I thought it was a good play, just the element of communication, like- Sharing. Yeah, sharing like the social, yeah. Cause yeah, that's kind of like the point of like drama and like being kind of, as an audience member, you wanna be like a fly on the wall and be like, oh my gosh, I'm, uh, you know, taking in all all, like this whole world and um yeah sometimes like I feel I've been to shows and I'm like this is I don't get like the socialization feeling I don't feel like I'm having this uh like a psychological conversation with the characters or um I'm not like really thinking about them um and sometimes it comes down to yeah like the the playwriting the directing um this yeah staging um and those are kind of it's kind of like yeah plot character thought diction music spectacles like all of those things kind of um put uh like a color in into into a show um and yeah I think this has been also a I like that you said this also because this has been a huge time for me for (laughs) self-care you know Um, cause yeah, I'm the same kind of way. I'm just like, go, 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 like <laughs> just forever until like I fall down. Um, but do you yeah. find that like going to theater when it's, when you feel like you're engaged by like, like you're taking care of as an audience, like, does it feel like self-care to you or does it feel like work? It feels like self-care. Like yeah. it just feels like I am. And in like a yeah cathartic way because um, I saw this uh, play. Oh gosh, I'm forgetting um, the playwright's name. Uh, anyway, I, okay, I saw a play. I it's I, I remember the moment more than I remember the play, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> but I saw this play at Steppenwolf, and. Um, I was heartbroken at the end of it, but only because I missed the characters. Like when I got home, like I was thinking about them. I was like, oh my gosh, 
that the main character, <laughs> I like totally forget what the actual play was about and what it was called and who, but because it was very like, like more than seven years ago, but regardless, um, that moment like, still. Yeah, like the moment where I'm just like, oh man, I really miss them. <laughs> I wish I could like go back and watch it again, you know, um, and just like little things like little moments like that where it just feels if it's even if it's a sad play like a happy play um a weird strange play it just feels like okay this like uh like wind gust of energy that you don't really get and it's like um very like juicy kind of socialization in your face um but yeah to me it's like self-care it feels very soft to me like I'm very like I don't know I'm sentimental. <laughs> oh, you have to be to be an artist. I you think. have to, yeah. And I'm, yeah, I, I'm like, I pride myself on being like tough as nails. Like nothing can bring me down. But the good thing about getting older is like, I'm so emotional about everything. <laughs> and it's like been a great gift too yeah. as an artist. It's the greatest strength yeah. to be able. I was actually I was thinking about this because last night I was out with people to screening and I kept being like, we're like, oh, can you walk in those shoes? Can you do this? And I was like, no, I'm tough. Like I'm in New York. I'm tough. I'm yeah. tough. <laughs> like, no, I'm not. Like yeah. I can let things roll off my back and I have a thick skin. You have to to be an artist, but like it's actually so, so much stronger to not be tough. It's so much stronger to like have some softness in your heart and like mm-hmm. in even like in your body like speaking about like perfectionism and like body Mm -hmm. stuff like oh there's parts of my body that are soft right now like Mm -hmm. that's good like there's my heart is sentimental I'm not entirely cynical like that's a good thing that's a strength because it lets me it lets you it lets artists in general like be open and receive Mm -hmm. and give back like that's an open circuit Mm -hmm. Uh, a heart a hardened you know hardened something like it's a blockage like mm-hmm. in, the, in the body when something's hardened it's it's a blockage and yeah you have I, to be water has to be like running and not ice to be to, to flow like it has to be oh yes yeah. um I always define confidence for myself as like someone who's unafraid to be so publicly soft yeah. and cry I don't like to cry in public or in front of people I work with, but sometimes it happens. <laughs> and um, I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, um, I think it's okay to be like confident. Yeah, in your softness. Um, however, that like manifests, like that always um, is embodied differently for everybody. Um, and yeah. I always keep like softness for me as a mantra because it encourages me. Um, I don't know. It just brings like the, <laughs> it brings like all that stuff. Like people talk about on the internet, like the divine feminine or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm about to take a bubble bath, you know, <laughs> like that's how it makes me feel. So it's, yeah, it is a great, it's great for you as an artist to just be like super, super open. And I think it makes you more generous too. Um, it's like I always like when I do this podcast I'm like oh my gosh like somebody was generous with their time like that's amazing because time is so precious and like I'm always like 
I have to keep giving and giving because life is short. There's only so much time, (laughs) you know? Um, So that like generosity is like a huge virtue for as an artist um, as well. Um, Because it creates like good work. (laughs) I mean, yeah, like, why would we, why would we do this life? Why would we choose this? Yeah. If we didn't want to offer, like, if it wasn't an offering. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a self, like, so hard. Um, The life that we're doing is so is so hard that mm-hmm. why why would you do it if it's not if it's not to give if it's not an offering yeah can't can't go at it's, it alone I'm not, I, I'm, it's I could have done a lot of things that are easier yeah, yeah like, <laughs> it would be more selfish to do something where I could make money and uh you know be stable and mm-hmm. whatever like if I'm gonna put myself through this I have to have to... oh I you're back <laughs> Um, no, okay. Uh, don't worry. I'm caught up. It, yes, absolutely. Um, so true. Um, and, and that makes sense too. I mean, you've been, you're like a globe trotter, like you're bopping all over <laughs> the place. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Where did you live? Mm-hmm. 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 yay that's awesome yeah I was just I've just been around um I was born here so I, just, I know I lo- would love to um because I love New York so much I would love to get to a place where I can say I'm bi-coastal <laughs> whatever um but I, I would say like going to New York at least uh, on precedent twice a year. I, I, you could say I'm you can say I'm a little bi-coastal, <laughs> you know. I make I make appearances, you know. Um, yes, you know. Yeah, I mean that's what I say to myself. Like if I go to an audition, I'm like, oh, I'm, they just want me to uh, make an appearance, you know. I'm just making uh, making my rounds basically. <laughs> Yeah. Um, do you still, uh, are you still auditioning right now or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof, I hate self tapes so much. <laughs> Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. Mm, yeah. Mhm. Mhm. 
Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm Yeah. Yeah, it's I like that phrase a lot. <laughs> Offer only. <laughs> yes, yeah. Mhm. Mm yeah. Mhm. Mm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's all about balance and um my approach to some of these things is like may as well see what happens <laughs> what happens um because yeah you never know what's gonna happen um but let's plug your play um galatea <laughs> galatea yeah mm-hmm to yeah galatea 2.0 <laughs> And that, that works perfectly with like AI doll kind of stuff. Um, yes, double. Um, yeah, the, yeah, what did uh, my friend always says? Like the duality, the duality of it all. Um, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is, the dates are, writing this down. Yay. Ooh, I'm so excited. Hmm. I might be around. <laughs> yeah, I might be in town making one of my appearances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I, yeah, I'll have to look at my calendar because I really want to go and there's just going to be so much, so many appearances. So, um, yeah, anytime. I mean, I, yeah I, well first of all the drama comes first but you know if there's snacks 
and drinks involved like that's oh that's the best mm-hmm that's so exciting. Well, um, where can we follow you? Mm -hmm. Ooh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah I love that well um everybody check it out and where can we get tickets to this play Eventbrite or okay Oh, I'm so excited. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, this was such a seamless and like easygoing conversation. And hopefully um, I can link up with you in July. That would be super dope. Um, and NC.